Welcome back. What a great day to be a Giants fan. We saw the Giants win their one o'clock game versus Houston 24 to 16, improve the seven and two on the season. And we just saw the Cowboys lose to the Packers in overtime. And the Giants are now in sole possession of second place in the NFC East. So I would say great day overall. For Philly and Washington, we have to wait till tomorrow night, but I'm not as worried about that right now. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, this game pretty much went how I would expect it to a ton a ton of running attempts for the Giants, obviously. They did very well on the ground for the most part. It wasn't the most efficient ground game for Saquon Barkley his entire career, but the guy did average 4.3 per carry, had 152 rushing yards on 35 attempts, which is just insane. Also had the rushing touchdown. But yeah, we'll break down the game, talk about the offense, defense, uh, some of the big picture stuff towards the end. But hopefully you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like, always helps out. And let's get into it. So we'll start on top here with the offense. And look, I mean, games don't always go the way you plan them to go. I mean, we, we sit here and make predictions. I do preview videos on Fridays and... You know, you just try to make your best educated guess. And sometimes your predictions and your preview just happen to go exactly how you would think the game's going to go. And that's kind of how this went. I think most of us knew the Giants were going to try and run the ball down the Texans' throat, and it worked. I mean, they ran the ball 47 times and only passed the ball 17 times. They literally ran the ball 30 more times than they passed it in this game. And this is 2022 NFL, so obviously it does not happen very often. The Giants did have 191 rushing yards total. You do love to see that. And when you do get that much of a rushing total or that high of a rushing total, you're going to win most games. I remember saying in my preview that if Saquon Barkley has it going, there's not going to be much of a need for Daniel Jones to run the ball very often. I said he might have like a six carry for 20 yards type game. He had five carries for 24 yards. Same thing. Even Matt Breda contributed 20 yards on six carries, so not too bad. Wandale had that one crazy run where he went backwards. I thought he was going to lose like 20 yards on that play, but it was only five, thank God. But yeah, the Giants have definitely tried to run Saquon Barkley into the ground, and with the Giants not having a commitment to Saquon for next year based on his contract, it's not really much of a surprise. If you're the Giants and Saquon Barkley with the ball in his hands gives you the best chance to win and you don't have a long-term commitment to Saquon Barkley, you're going to give him literally more than he can handle. And so far, that has been the case this year. Saquon has gotten a bit banged up at times. We saw the shoulder injury in London, I think a couple other things as well. But the guy's not missed games. He has been there. He's answered every call. And Saquon has been really good for the Giants this year. He's on pace for over 2,000 scrimmage yards. And I do think after today, he leads the NFL in rushing. And the Giants already had their buy. So that, of course, is very impressive as well. Daniel Jones, only 17 passing attempts, but just another game where Jones did what he had to do. Just did his job at a high level, 13 of 17. I think it was an 88 adjusted completion percentage for Daniel Jones, which is amazing. So uh, yeah, Jones had 197 yards, almost got to 200, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones didn't do anything that like wowed us in this game, but the guy executed the game plan, did what the coaches asked him to do, didn't turn the ball over, and the Giants won the game. It was a very simple game plan of like, let's just beat them on the ground, and the Giants did it. Darius Slayton had the big play. It was a weird play, so it was like, it was a 54-yard touchdown, which you're probably thinking, oh, it was like a deep ball down the sideline, but no, it was like a drag route on a third and nine play. Jones hit him kind of late. He spins out of a tackle, goes down the left sideline, outruns a couple guys and Darius Slayton basically like ran 50 yards himself for that touchdown. So that was great to see because we don't see many big plays as Giants fans, and that coming on a third and nine play was huge. Kenny Galladay, to get to the negatives, um, yeah, he started the game, played the first few drives, 
And he had one kind of sort of drop near the left sideline where it went off his fingertips. May have been a bit of an outside throw. Okay, we'll cut him some slack. It's his first game back. But then on a drag route, maybe the drive or maybe two drives later, he had a horrendous drop where Jones put it right here. And that, of course, adds to his adjusted completion percentage as well because Kenny Galladay obviously should have caught that ball. So Galladay drops one right here in the breadbasket and he sees the bench after that. So yeah, not much of a surprise. I was hoping that Kenny Galladay can contribute to this team in some type of way. Um, the Giants, I believe, made David Sills inactive today, so Kenny Galladay had his chance, and he just did not take advantage whatsoever, and kind of proved why the Giants weren't playing him much this year. And I go back to that Kenny Galladay quote. This was on September 21st, so I guess this is after like week two or something. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay said, I don't agree with it. I should be playing regardless. That's a fact. And I'm like, I get it. Galladay came here with a, a big contract, and based on the amount of money he's making, he should be playing, but the, he's giving the Giants coaches no reason to put him on the field. So obviously, you might see some comments saying the Giants should cut uh, Kenny Galladay. They really can't financially do that. The Giants just have to ride the wave and just maybe keep him on the bench the rest of the year, maybe make him a healthy and active. I have no idea, but the Giants cutting Kenny Galladay literally hurts them salary cap wise, so they just can't do it. Next year, maybe. The Giants can save $7 million if they cut him next offseason, so we might see that. I do believe the Giants would be charged $14 million in dead cap space, so that's $14 million you can't spend, but they would also save $7 million not having him on the roster. So maybe they bite that bullet. I don't know. Definitely some conservative play calling all day. I saw some fans on Twitter were not very happy about that. I just think it was based on the opponent. We've seen this in games this year when the Giants played even Chicago early in the season. I think that was week three, the Panthers in week two. When the Giants play these opponents that they know they are better than roster wise and they should be winning those games because they're the home team, they're favored. The Giants go into these games saying, let's just not beat ourselves. Let's just beat them with the run. Like we saw in that Chicago game, I think Daniel Jones had under 100 passing yards, but the Giants won the game. And this kind of sort of was the same way. The Giants came into this game saying, we're going to just ride Saquon Barkley, probably get him around 30 carries. I don't know if they expected 35, but he got the 35. Um, and the game script just worked to the Giants' advantage. They were up for pretty much the entire game. The Texans, they kind of hung around at halftime. I think it was like 7-3 at halftime. But, you know, te the Texans really were not giving the Giants much of a threat to take the lead at any point in this game. So the Giants just controlled the clock. They tried to, you know, take time of possession. The Giants did win time of possession 33 minutes to 26 minutes. So not like a huge discrepancy, but they still won time of possession. So I get it. Like this might be a game where you were hoping the Giants could open up some things offensively. I was kind of hoping for the same thing, but... Just wasn't the case. I mean, we saw some like Lawrence Cager. He had a touchdown, a nice catch. We also saw Isaiah Hodgins. He had that catch in the third quarter. I think it was the opening drive of the third quarter, maybe. And he caught that one ball up the seam and he gained like 30 yards. So he was a recent pickup from Buffalo's practice squad, I believe. So we did see a couple of nice passing plays. But obviously, when you're only passing the ball, what, 17 times, you're not going to really have that much passing volume. So I guess it makes sense. My concern, of course, is how do the Giants play offensively? versus like the big dogs of the you know NFL when you play the Eagles and when you play Dallas on Thanksgiving how is your offense going to look even next week versus Detroit who is not a good team really by any means but they put up points I mean they put up over 30 I think against Chicago today they've had games where they scored over 40 points this year um, Detroit can put up points and I do think the Giants defense is beatable at some points this year so if Detroit comes in here and puts up 27 points 
can the Giants offense respond and, and do enough? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But the Lions defense sucks. I hope the Giants don't have much of an issue scoring. But when the Giants especially play teams like Dallas and the Eagles and the Vikings later in the season, how do, how does the Giants offense play? Is it a more balanced approach? Do they let Daniel Jones go down the field more? I don't know. It also kind of sucked seeing uh, Kadarius Tony play very well for the Chiefs today, but that's just the thing of the past at this point. So it is what it is. Uh, the offensive line didn't really annoy me too much. They did give up a sack in the second quarter to get out of field goal range. So we've seen the Giants do that to a couple teams this year when the Giants would sack a quarterback and get them out of field goal range. Most importantly, it was that Packers game in London. The Giants did that at one point. I think Dexter Lawrence sacked Rodgers and got them out of field goal range. That kind of happened to the Giants today in the second quarter. There was also that play, I think it was the first play of the uh, second quarter, where the Giants were going for a quarterback sneak on fourth and one. They were on the Texans 36-yard line, so I agree with that decision. And the Giants get a false start, and it was Jack Anderson that um, was getting yelled at by Brian Dable. Dable was living on the sideline. He was not having the best first half, Brian Dable. He was just not happy with some of his players. So the Giants, they would have had that quarterback sneak converted for a first down, but um, there was a false start. So the Giants obviously had, had the punt after that, and that took potentially three, even seven points off the board. So obviously as a coach, you're not going to want to see that. So yeah, this game didn't teach me much about our offense. It just showed me that like when the Giants play teams, they are better than they just they can beat them. That's pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like, I still want to see how this offense looks versus better teams, better defenses. But when you're playing the Texans, who allow the most rushing yards per game in the NFL by a lot, you're going to see games where Saquon Barkley has 30-something carries, and that was an example of it today. So it was a bit excessive. I expected like maybe 25 to 27, but 35, it got the job done. So it is what it is. For the Giants' defense, they allowed 94 yards on 17 carries to Damian Pierce. He was like the main guy to watch out for in this offense. I don't really think Brandon Cooks had the biggest day. He caught a couple screen passes. Cooks was four catches for 37 yards. Nico Collins, five catches for 49 yards. He did burn uh, Fabian Moreau on that one touchdown in the left corner. Some fans were saying it was a push-off. I don't think it was that bad. He, he ran a nice like, sluggo route, a fake slant, and then went to the end zone. And I guess um, Fabian Moreau got kind of fooled on that. But Moreau did have a great pass breakup at one point in this game. Um, it was a deep pass. So Moreau had a great play in this game and a play that was not so great. But Moreau so far has been a great surprise for the Giants. In a revenge game, Jordan Akins, I think, I think Jordan Akins was on the Giants' preseason roster. He did get cut at some point, him and like Ricky Seals-Jones. But um, Jordan Akins had a long catch in this one. He, it was a screen pass. He made a couple guys miss, and um, he gained like 40, 50 yards on that one play. Chris Moore had 70 yards. But yeah, nobody really killed the Giants. Um, Damian Pierce had two catches, 28 yards out of the backfield. Davis Mills was 22 of 37, 319 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So he wasn't impressive. Did have a lot passing yards I guess but he wasn't all that impressive and the one interception was big interception to Dame Belton his first career interception so that was great to see you had that and you also had the uh, Damian Pierce fumble when it was 21 to 10 in the fourth quarter that the interception and the fumble they happened within like five minutes of each other so it happened like pretty close to the same time but um, yeah, we saw Jalen Smith. He recovered that fumble. The Giants got the ball back. They held on to their 11-point lead. Jason Pinnock even had uh, one and a half sacks. So a guy that had to kind of fill in for McKinney. I would say the guys that had to fill in for McKinney, which were most likely going to be uh, Dane Belton and even Jason Pinnock, 
they played really well. So those guys definitely stepped up in the first game here in the absence of Xavier McKinney. So you do love seeing that next man up mentality. They got those guys ready to play. Big games for Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. You can tell Dexter Lawrence was definitely just a menace the entire game. He did have a sack. And I think according to PFF, he had eight pressures, which is an insane amount for a uh, defensive tackle. And uh, even Leonard Williams was really good against the run in this game. So to see those guys play very well, that was another thing in the pregame I brought up about how the Texans interior offensive line was like not that good. So I kind of expected Lawrence and even Leonard Williams to play very well. They definitely exceeded that expectation as well. So those guys played phenomenal. The Giants did win the turnover battle two to nothing. I mentioned how, you know, Daniel Jones, no turnovers, Saquon Barkley, no turnovers, and the Giants did what they had to do offensively. So yeah, it wasn't like the uh, the best win. It wasn't like you feel great about it type thing, but like the Giants just had to come out of their bye, get themselves to seven and two, and that was it. Like I didn't really care how they won the game. Obviously, if they won like 42 to 7, it would be awesome. But at the same time, the main goal was to leave this game with a win. If the Giants came out of their bye and lost this game, it would have been a very bad look and really would have like just, we would have been very down about that because starting 6-2, and two, our expectations are much higher. So to lose a game like this to an inferior opponent in the Texans, that would have been a very bad look for the Giants and it would have been tough to deal with as fans. Also, according to PFF, Andrew Thomas did not allow a single pressure on 23 pass blocking snaps. No surprise because he has been just probably the best left tackle in football this year. There's no other way to say it. We did see a Dory Jackson return punts today. I didn't see much of a problem. He wasn't like impressive by any means. He had two returns for two yards, but uh, at least he caught the ball. So we'll take that. Graham Gano made his only field goal 49 yards. Not really a big day from the edge guys, I feel like. I think Kayvon Thibodeau, I was expecting a bit more in this matchup. I didn't really see that much from him. Maybe I was wrong, but I didn't see too much. Jihad Ward did get a sack in this game, but didn't really do much out, uh, outside of that. Mike McFadden almost had an interception. He made a really good play of tipping the ball but of course it fell right into Chris Moore's hands who made a nice like one-handed catch behind him but uh Mike McFadden as he continues to play more almost made a really nice play there so yeah it's seven and two the Giants will get the Lions at home one o'clock game then it's a quick turnaround Thanksgiving game versus Dallas so I would love 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 to go into this uh Thanksgiving game at eight and two that would be such a great feeling so I hope they can get the job done I would assume the Giants are favorites versus Detroit, whether it's by two and a half, three, three and a half or something. I haven't checked it yet, but I would assume the Giants are favorites for that game. As I said, the Giants may have to do more offensively against the Lions. We'll see how their offense plays in that game, but they do have more weapons than what the uh, Texans have right now. But the Giants, they continue to play winning football, just protecting the ball and not really beating themselves um, their defense is doing enough obviously so far I know some people were freaking out after the uh, Seattle game and were going oh the Giants you know same old Giants you know but no I mean this team's pretty good the, I, I don't think the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl this year although that'd be great but um this is a playoff football team they know how to win any game they're favorites in or at least in the conversation for winning they usually get the job done I think the one time they lost where they were like kind of supposed to win was the Seattle game and I think Seattle was still favorites for that game as well so it wasn't even like that bad of a loss you do have some tougher games coming up as I mentioned you have Dallas you're gonna be you know Philly twice Minnesota those games will kind of determine what type of team the Giants are and they do play like a stretch of four division games in a row from weeks 12 to week uh, 15 
They are at Dallas, which is Thanksgiving, home versus Washington, home versus Philly at Washington. So those four games right there will kind of give us a really good feel of like what the Giants are because division games, they kind of show more. And the Giants have only played, what, like two division games, one division game? There was a Dallas game, and that was it. I mean, that's the only in-division game so far. So a lot of the last like seven, eight games here are a lot of division games. So the Giants are going to have to um, prove who they are. I mean, they've played great so far, or definitely over expectations for a lot of people, myself included. But um, to see who they really are, we're going to have to see like what this team does versus the division opponents, and those games kind of show you the most. So I am excited for that. A little nervous, too, but I am excited for that. But it's all about the Lions coming up next week, and hopefully they get that W and get themselves the 8-2. and two. So that's going to do it. I am going to try and do the highlights reaction at some point for this game, probably Tuesday, Wednesday. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But uh, that should do it for the video. Leave in the comments how you felt about this game, any takeaways, any of that good stuff. And uh, I will talk to you guys next time.